Good morning, everybody. This is the Equestrian Adventuresses podcast with Heather and Ute, the show for women who love horses, travel, and adventure. My name is Ute, and I'm happy to welcome you to another exciting episode. One word before we start. If you like the show, please give us a rating or a review on your podcast player, as this will help in keeping this podcast up and running. Also tell your friends about it, so more like-minded women can find us and start listening. Thank you. And welcome to the second part of our Pony Power uh, double episode. Um, if you have uh, listened to last week's episode, I had uh, welcomed Claire Eckhart and talked with her about her latest book, Race Against Time, which basically um, is the story of Kyla Lore and her pony Flash and their way to the Tavis Cup. And today I'm welcoming Kyla here into the show together with her mom, Natalie, and they talk about their personal experiences, um, about their story or the story from their own side. And I'm really, really happy to have uh, the to have had the opportunity uh, to do both to talk with Claire about a really, really fantastic book and to have the protagonist right here with me and talk with them about their story so yeah super super excited and uh, i would say let's just go to the show i can't wait we are explorers we are trailblazers we love to do what cannot be done we love to test our limits cross borders and we love the freedom horses bring us we seek lands without fences who are we we are equestrian adventuresses we are a community of women who love horses, travel, and adventure. To infinity and beyond! And now your hosts, Uta and Heather. What if you could have the adventure of your dreams? Enjoy your free time with your horse going out in a boat. The Equestrian Adventuresses created a workshop with 18 experts to tell you how to achieve this with and for your horse. We asked all of them to share their biggest mistakes and their strategies which brought them to where they are today. We asked them what they would have done differently in the first place so that you can learn directly from them. In this workshop you will learn strategies from our experts to succeed in having adventures with horses. Increase the speed while learning secrets our experts share with you. Get inspired. Sometimes we forget how important it is to just dream. This workshop will give you inspiration and motivation to fulfill your dreams. Our 18 experts are incredibly talented horsemen and women from different fields and countries and they have shared amazing insight and tips. Some of them are Kelly Wilson from New Zealand who talks about what wild horses teach us, how to read horses and how liberty work helps us in our relationship with our horse. Jonathan Field from Canada who talks about how to stay safe with horses and how trail riding can help you with your general riding skills. Sarah Cuthbertson from Ride Like an Athlete tells us all about riders fitness and how to prepare your body for an adventure. Sandra Schmidt from Ireland gives advice about how to prepare for an overnight camping trip with horses and about what equipment and gear is necessary. Charlotte Kingsman Chaudhry talks about how to manage our emotions to have a better relationship with our horses. Kathleen Leonard tells us about the biggest mistakes new long riders make and how not to long ride. And these are just some examples. There are many more. 
Additionally, there are bonus panel discussions about different topics such as saddlebags, tipping etiquette, when, what to do what, when you're injured while riding abroad, and many more. All this you can access from the comfort of your home or listen to while driving out to work or to the stable. We have also added behind-the-scene footage and you will receive a goal-setting workbook to put your new knowledge to work. You can get all this for a special price of just 27 US dollars. As a limited offer, you can find our virtual workshop on the Equestrian Adventurers' website and I will also add the link in our show notes. Just click on it and start fulfilling your dreams about adventuring with horses. And here we are back again with uh, Natalie and Kyla Law. I'm so glad they joined me here today for the super exciting episode. And we are talking about uh, their experience with the, uh, riding the Tavis Cup and, uh, of course, about their book. So, first of all, very welcome, uh, Natalie and Kyla. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, let's start a little bit with an introduction. I mean, I've already, uh, anyone who has listened to, yes, to last week's episode uh, knows, of course, the story. Um, however, I would, uh, maybe you can just quickly introduce yourselves, um, you know, just generally and how you started your journey with horses. Oh, I'll start with mine because I'm mom. I was that little girl that... I have children. I have four children. So I'm always having someone come in. Okay. So I was that little girl that fell in love with horses and I draw drew horses and talked about horses and everything. And when I was in fifth grade, I saved up enough money to buy my very first horse. I ended up getting a little quarter horse Arab and loved her to death, but you know, life happens and I had to sell her. And then I didn't know that you could have horses as an adult. And so it wasn't until I was uh 30 that my husband and I lived where we saw people with horses and I was like oh my gosh I can have a horse as an adult so that's where I begged my husband and he got me one for Christmas and it's now we're up to I think seven horses <laughs> and so we've just loved them and you know continuing out on the trails and that's how I kind of got into them it's always been in the blood but as a child versus an adult it's been very different so Kyla, yeah. on the other hand, she's had them quite a bit. Yeah. So um, my mom has always given me every single experience to ride horses when she was younger because I love them. I love animals. I love horses. And it's so fun. And she just, um, like, how old was I when you put me on my first pony? Oh, she was probably two when she rode her very first little pony that was just standing around and I walked it. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, I started when I was super young and I always loved it. And um, so then, like, eventually we just, when I was, like, six years old, we started getting into lessons with a lady named Sheila Wetter. And when I was about nine years old, she bought Flash and didn't realize she couldn't really train him. So, and I was like, oh, he's so adorable. I can train him. But then she, like, in my mind. And then she um, she asked me if I would. And then when I started with him, I was like, oh, my gosh, no, I can't because he's so wild. But he was so cute. So that's kind of where I started with Flash. And, right? Yeah, that's about, you know, she's had a couple other little horses. She had a little Tennessee Walker. And then she had a little quarter horse for a little bit. But her true, you know, the horse that really grabbed her heart was Flash. And I guess that's because... Nothing that you love the most comes easy, right? 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the two of them met. And uh, yeah, how old were you when you when you finally bought him? She was nine. Nine she years. Bought wow, that's cool. So you got your first pony with nine years. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's cool. Did you fell in love with them straight away when you when you met him? Or was it more a process? Because I mean, you you train him for quite some some time. Um, how was that? So, I mean, when everyone sees little ponies, they're like, oh my gosh, he's so cute, or she's mm -hmm. so cute. So, at, I was like, he's super cute, and I was like, he's adorable, I want him. And then when I actually started working with him and, like, realized all the fire he had, it we've had some rough spots, like, just a few struggles. I've gone off way too many times, <laughs> and, like... Eventually, I fell in love with him before we moved. And so, yeah. Like, I, it took a little while to, like, fully fall in love with him. But I always thought he was adorable. But we've just had our struggles. Yeah. And I think to add to that, too, I think something that we don't realize is sometimes we have a process. Um, she fell in love with the look of him at first. But then as she started working with him and training him, she had fun. But then there got those stages that it was hard. I mean, blood, sweat, tears, it was really hard. And it, I mean, it even got to a point where she put them up for sale because she just, she couldn't handle it. And me as a mother, I couldn't force her to go out and keep working um, on something that it was hurting so much. But unfortunately, little, small, fiery ponies don't sell for very easily. And so, unfortunately. not unfortunately, fortunately, they don't. And so we, we weren't able to sell him. And then she had to recommit. She took a little break and recommit to trying. And, and also part of that was shipping her trainer down to come spend a week with her. Um, so I think the deep, deep love, which I've experienced too, is what happens when you put the work into it over time and you bond together. Um, there's that first surface level love. And then there's the deep love that comes when you achieve great things together through the blood, sweat and tears. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess that's right. So um, did you when did you both of you start uh, endurance riding? Did you start together or was it first you, Natalie, and then later Kyla? It was first my mom. She started with a few rides and then I did like my first 15 mile ride, which mm -hmm. I Is it really considered? No, it's yeah. just an <laughs> intro ride. Um, how old were you? I don't know. I don't remember how old she was. She was. I was young, and then um, we finally like borrowed a horse for me to do my first fifty when I was like nine years old. So that was like my real first endurance ride, right? Was yeah, that's nine? what it was. She was nine when she did her first fifty, and yeah, the way it kind of all snowballed. So being a mom of four. I don't get the luxury of just going out and doing things by myself. So unless kids are coming along, I don't get to do them. So I was like, well, if I have a kid that does endurance, then I can ride more. <laughs> so that's kind of how she got drug along. But she's just such a natural at it that, you know, she did her first 50 and walked away like nothing. My first 50, I thought I was going to die. Hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, but that's the, that's the advantage children generally have or younger people generally have, I guess, the, the older you get, the more difficult it becomes to, to, um, so yeah, to do things like this, like doing a 50 miles endurance race, for instance. That's the truth right there. Kids mm -hmm. have that kind of energy that 
None anymore. <laughs> Teenagers, on the other hand, it goes down just a little. It does. Yeah. So, so, uh, um, is it mostly endurance you do, or is it a lot? Of, is it some of the other horse sports as well? Um, you know, we've kind of played with all of them. Um, I've taken a few dressage lessons and jumping lessons because I really love to jump. And Kyla, she's taken lessons in all the different disciplines and more in the English world. Um, she wants. I tried Western once, I think. She tried Western once. It's just a little more saddled than. Then we have, we don't have Western horses. Our my first horse was terrified of cows, so it just doesn't work. Um, I tried it on, isn't she? Uh huh. And so, but she's we've tried to do everything, and we're in an area where they have lots of little schooling shows. So while we conditioned for endurance most of the time, Kyla would just show up to a jumping show with an unbroken with pony. an unbroke pony and be like, "Hey, we're gonna go jump," and she did really well. Did I? <clears throat> no, I yeah. Well, yeah. You did well. Okay. Her equitation was well. The horse's fire, probably not as refined, but he jumped and did well. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's the spirit. It was flash. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so we tried a little everything. Right. So flash obviously is not a very easy pony. Um, do you think endurance riding helped in creating this bond between, between the two of you, Kyla? Uh, yeah, I think it helped a lot because, like, being on a trail with, like, a horse for that long, like, however many miles we do, we did mostly 50s. Um, it just, like, it helps to strengthen a bond because you just together for so long and you're, like, getting through a bunch of struggles or, like, having fun out on the trail mm. together and you just learn and grow from it. I, I think also to add to that is as mom observing this flash was happiest on the endurance trails. I mean, any other thing we put him in, he's kind of wild runoff bolt and stuff, but it's when it got to the endurance, you know, we'd get out on the trails and he knew his job. And those were the times when he, my Kyla would lean to me and be like, mom, look, loose reins. I have loose reins. Mom, look, I can touch his butt. You know, mm -hmm. so he needed that kind of workload to be able to just relax um his first 50 he he didn't care he was like cool let's go you know my horse thought he was gonna die but so I think that was really good for him and so they finally were able to relax on the trail and enjoy the companionship instead of always worrying that you know she was gonna die <laughs> right <Why>? yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, but I mean, just putting in all these miles together, I mean, the endurance race, you need to practice a lot. You need to uh, just do a lot of riding before you can actually enter a 50 miles race, uh, let alone a hundred one. Um, let's talk about the Tavis Cup. Um, when did you first hear about the Tavis Cup? Is it like something you've always wanted to do or was it just something you came across eventually? I actually didn't know much about it at all. And even being in endurance for a while, I didn't know about it. It wasn't until, oh, we did our first 100 miler, which was in December of 2020, that I saw all the ladies around me and a couple of the guys that had Tevis buckles on. And that's when my brain started clicking that I'm like, oh, I wonder, you know, and that's, I went home and read more about the stats of what the smallest horse was to ever do it and the biggest horse. And, you know, so that's when my brain really started clicking. Um, but it wasn't something we always just 
it wasn't our goal. We were happy just going and seeing trails and riding fifties. Um, but the beauty of it and the more we learned about the trail, it just, it kind of called out that this seems really, really pretty, which we really ride for the beauty. And then the challenge, you know, we, we have a little bit of competitive nature in us that we like to take challenges. And so I think that's how it evolved. Um, and then just, I always say the stars just aligned, you know. But also um, something I need to add to that. She, um, so we were gonna do Tevis before, was it after or before the Scottsdale ride? And it, closed. it was after the Scottsdale first 50 and we want, we and kind of, we wanted to do Tevis, but it closed down because of COVID. And so okay. we're like, okay, since I'm getting way too big for flash, let's do a final hundred mile ride That's at Scottsdale. Was. And so we did that. And so my mom, when she started looking into Tevis, <laughs> she was looking in for just herself because she thought maybe I was too big. And then the announcement that Junior's Ride Free came out and she called Sheila. She's like, the trainer were, who we bought Flash from, she's like, do you think Kyle's too big to ride Flash in Tevis? And she's like, nah, he'll be fine. So she signs me up without telling me. <laughs> I did. I said I signed you up for the Tevis. <laughs> and I was like, cool. <laughs> was that? Yeah. I was just like, cool. I'm up for a challenge. I always love a challenge. So I was like excited, but super nervous too, because like the more and more we got closer to it, the more and more big I realized it was. Cause in the beginning I was like, it's just another endurance ride. It's, but then all the preparation and everything else was a lot more than all the others. And I was like, this is a lot different. So it got, it was a little nerve wracking, but in the end, once I got on the trail, I was just super happy to be there. Even if we got pulled, like, halfway through or something, I was just happy to be able to be there in the start and see it. So, yeah, that's our adventure getting to Tevis. Right. So, um, I mean, by the end of the day, it's a 100-mile race. Obviously, the Tevis is something very special. But how is it really different from – I mean, I have never – Of course, I mean, I'm in Germany. I have not really, of course, we've heard about the Tevis. We talk about the Tevis and it's this kind of fame and glory surrounding it, I guess. But do you think it really is different? I mean, you've done other 100-mile races as well. What is different about the Tevis? Um, I think, you know, a lot of times when you look at an endurance ride, they'll tell you what the challenge is. For example, one ride might be hotter than normal. Or another ride might be a very rocky ride, so you got to take your time. Or another ride might have a lot of elevation. Uh, the Tevis combines all of that. You start at a super high elevation. You go up and down and up and down all day long. You drop into the heat of the canyons. You climb out. And so I think it's classified as one of the more, you know, the most difficult because of the combination. Um, I think there's also a lot of, uh, what is it called? logistics that go into it also that you're not doing a loop you're not doing multiple loops you're going from point to point which adds some you know logistical planning too um but honestly now we have very rugged terrain to train on so we were set up quite well for it i can see depending on where you're able to train the level of difficulty would increase um but we have terrain that's almost identical, if not harder. And so for us, we were able to train appropriately for the ride. 
Um, we, you know, the summer before we got there, our temperature sat at 117 degrees for almost a month. So I, I didn't even have to really heat train. Um, so I think that's where a lot of people get all stressed out and worried. But if you calm down and, and do your studying and look at what are the challenges of the ride and then train appropriately for it, you go there and it is, don't anybody hate me, but it is just another ride. And if you, you know, if you don't go to race, if you don't go to, you know, do something you haven't trained for, you'll have an enjoyable time and likely a pleasant one. Now, I've only gone once, so I know that there are different challenges with each horse. Um, but I, I feel that the prep work you put into it can truly prepare you for going to the ride. So it, but it is, it's not an easy ride by any means. You know, I don't want it to come across as that. I just... I feel like mentally it probably gets in everybody's heads far more than the actual trail. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense. I can totally understand you. Um, I mean, your terrain there where you ride is beautiful. Um, <laughs> you, I watched the the documentary and uh, I was just, uh, it was just, it's, it's stunning. Yeah. It's really amazing. What beautiful terrain you have and what difficult terrain you have. It's very rocky. Um, it's very, uh, very arid as well. Um, lots of rocks, lots of little river beds. And so it, it looks very, very beautiful and looks very similar to the Tavis terrain, actually, to me. I mean, as I said, I've never been. But yeah. um, I can imagine that you have a very uh, good place to prepare yourself and your horses for the Tavis. Now, um, when you finally got there, um, what was the most, the most challenging thing about riding the Tavis for you? Getting up at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and um, what was the most challenging? I don't mind. That's not what was thing. yours? Kyla, yours? What's your most challenging? Mine was at the end of the ride when I was so tired and it was dark out and I'm scared of the dark. And I started hallucinating really bad. That was that was pretty scary because like when I'm riding, like if I get stressed out, I always find comfort in Flash and in my mom. And like... At this point, it's so dark out, and I'm stressed out because, like, Flash is partially wild. And I'm like, what if he doesn't listen to me? Because I don't know the trails, and there's, like, switchbacks and backs and drop-offs right there. So I was pretty stressed. And then when I went to look for my mom, to my mom for comfort, she was not my mom. She okay. she was, well, she, she was. <laughs> I she, was mom. <laughs> I, she, she was mom. I just, she, in my mind, it played tricks on me, and she didn't look like my mom. She was very scary. Hallucinations <laughs> take over sometimes. She hallucinated in her first hundred and thought there were coyotes coming out to get her horse too. Mm. So it was a like scary bear. Okay. Yeah, I can imagine. How's that uh, when you, I mean, you've done other uh, hundred miles races. Is that easier because the terrain is not as challenging that you get there faster or would you have the same problems? So the... I've only done 200 miles, but the Scottsdale one, I think my mom might have a different story because, yeah, you can tell her <laughs> in a second. But um, Scottsdale was a little easier because it was all, like, flat and just, like, small loops after small loops. Uh, and it, I have to say, like, it's super pretty in its own way, but it wasn't as pretty. I love Tevis. Just, like, my favorite part of it was how pretty it was. It was mm. so pretty. And so 
I think, like, everything else-wise, it was harder than other rides I've done. But also, like, in different categories, it could be a little easier. Is that the right way to say it? So, I had a kid coming in and talking in my ear. Repeat that question real quick. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was just asking whether um, another, like, is is it, was it more difficult, particularly coming to the darkness? Does it take longer than another 100 miles race? Um. Yes, it takes longer, but that can be for different reasons. Some of it, you could be caught in a single track behind people and you can't pass. Mm. And so even though you would be capable physically, you're stuck behind people. Um, there are a lot of holds. I mean, you have, I, I think probably a lot of people would be successful in finishing if they were more efficient at their holds. So you stop at seven miles, 13 miles, four miles later, um, at different checkpoints that really you don't have to do anything, but get in, get out, pulse down. And if you're not efficient with that, like if you don't know how to get off, feed Mm -hmm. your horse, your pulse, get on the way, you're going to be put behind. It was interesting. You know, we are mid pack riders. My horse is not fast by any means, but he's very consistent speed all day long. Um, With that, we passed a lot of people at holds. Mm-hmm. And I would look around and these are and very well-known people that I'm like, oh my gosh, are we doing something wrong? Because in my mind, I didn't know if I was being doing it wrong. But all I knew was we were told by, you know, Kathy Perry, don't dilly-dally, get going. And so we tried to be very efficient. And one hold in particular that I looked around was Chicken Hawk. And that one you're allowed to have crew at, but it's still just a stop and go. And I watched people just sitting around you know, just sitting around that. And I don't know their situation. I don't know if their horse was needing more rest or whatnot, but I watched a lot of people that not quite efficient enough. And so with that, we passed a lot of people and I, you know, I, I talked to a gal that was prepping for the Tef, the Tevis the next year. And I told her the same thing. I said, just get in and out of those holds because the rest of the trail, you can ride either fast or slow. I mean, you can do pretty well and but those holds really can stop you if you don't get going. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. That's very good advice here. Um, now, you rode the smallest pony, um, Kyla, on that ride. And uh, you, Natalie, I think, had the tallest horse. <laughs> How did the, these two, I mean, this is a very unlikely pair. I could imagine um, them together. Uh, I mean, the horse riders know it's very difficult to find a horse or a, another rider horse uh, with with whom you can really ride very well in sync because obviously you want to have the same, like you you don't want to overstretch one horse or you don't want one horse to, to hold him back all the time. So how did that work out actually for the two of you? So Flash and Brave, which are the horses we rode, um, they actually like, they stay together. Like Brave is motivated by Flash because Flash is his emotional support pony. <laughs> and not so brave he's he's really just a big baby he's he's cute but um the thing is flash likes to go fast and like brave has like a good speed and they just like they kept up with each other like really well and like they didn't have to slow down for the other one or flash didn't have to speed up to stay up with brave like they have like the same average speed yeah so a little to add to that so uh Flash being a hackney pony, they're really bred to be a trotting horse. He doesn't yeah. stop trotting at all. 
like doesn't stop. I don't, you know, so with that, his speeds, you know, his slow trot is like five miles per hour. And then he can trot up to about 12, um, comfortably. Mm -hmm. And so with that range, brave is a five gated saddlebred. So his walk is between four and a half to five miles per hour. And his, um, trot really only goes up to about nine before he moves into a canter. And then he can also rack between 10 and 13 miles per hour. So while their legs are totally different sizes, they actually pace almost exactly the same. Um, when we were able to go on the downhills, we can rack and flash can trot down. When we're going on the uphills and Brave is climbing, he's climbing at four to five miles per hour and flash just trots up. Um, so for those that ever think they get a break from the trot, Kyla never got a break from the trot the mm-hmm. entire day, <laughs> you know? Okay. So, so that puts their paces very in the, you know, in the same. Mm, I see. Okay. That makes sense. And I mean, you trained a lot together. Um, a lot of the training actually was done by you, Natalie, and Flash was running, uh, just free with you. So, um, that sounds like, yeah. like, uh, like, like fun actually. It's actually really fun. So I knew Kyla was in school and I knew that Flash needed far more miles than just on the weekend when she could get out. And yes. so we trained him to come and follow along. And because Brave is his best friend, it was very natural for him. Um, we, you know, I taught with cookies and stuff like that, but that enabled him to come out and ride almost any time. In fact, he got more mileage and training than Brave because he would ride with me for all my rides. But the interesting thing about it is of his training before Tevis, only about a third of his training miles had a rider on him. So he spent most of his time free running. Now the downside of that is after he'd free run, then he would act wild again. And the kid, and he'd be like, what? Someone's on my back. I don't want to listen. So she had to retrain. Okay. <laughs> Kept I a see. little bit wild. Okay. But still, I mean, it's it's a great way to train two horses at the same time and get all the miles on them because that's necessary. So how how many miles would you do um, in preparation for the Tevis Cup mostly? Oh, gosh. Okay. So, again, everybody has different terrain. Ours is very difficult. So our training miles, any friend, any endurance ride, normally are between six and 12 miles. And we actually ride them between a walk and a trot because they're so difficult. The final ride I did on the horses before we went to Tevis was two weeks before, and it was only 16 miles long, but it was across, we, you know, kind of think of like a Sahara desert with deep, deep, deep sand and Mm -hmm. elevation. And we basically cruised up and down that sand mountain in 110 degree weather for 16 miles back and forth and back and forth. So it, while it was um, not very many miles, the intensity of the workload was so high that it did the work and, and it saves us on being able to, and of uh, burning out the horses physically because it's not as much impact on their joints. So mm. that's kind of our, but again, our terrain is different. Some people will do 40 you know, miles or so to in prep or so our, our workload is very, difficult <laughs> yeah okay yeah i get that um i mean i've ridden in difficult terrain uh, for many many years uh lots of mountain climbing very hard ground rocks up and down and i mean these mountains these climbs uh and then of course the slopes up and the slopes down that really put muscles on the horses sure so does think- it 
yeah. builds the flow, which yeah. is good. They get built, but not the fast speeds all the time. Yeah. Now, having completed the Tavis, which is, I think, kind of a, a highlight, um, how did you feel afterwards? Like, what is there now for you to train to? Do you want to do the Tavis again? Or has it been a little bit of a climax? And on the anticlimax is there, having done the Tavis. Well, let's ask Kyla. <laughs> We have different. I have, I'm the one that's always like, oh, what next? I'm not sure. <laughs> what next for Kyla so basically Tevis was super fun but I knew every mile I got closer to the finish the worse it was because this was my last ride on flash and like not being able to ride with him anymore is super sad because he's like my best friend so I was like I like I happy I finished at this. Don't get me wrong, but it was super sad at the very end. I was proud that we finished it, all of us. Me, Brave, Flash, my mom. But like when I went to bed that night, I was super proud of the horses and my mom and our crew and everyone. But then again there was that still sad feeling that this was my last ride on Flash. So now that I'm too big because Then after Tevis, I had a big growth spurt. So now, what? Am I almost touching the ground in Flash? Yeah, she can She can wrap her legs around his belly underneath. Yeah, that's <laughs> what like, happens. I, yeah, I don't get to ride him anymore. So it's just not the same. And, like, I love riding, don't get me wrong. But I've been on him for, I'm 14 now. And I got him when I started riding him when I was nine. So... It's just not the same on any other horse, so it's not as fun for me. So I took like a year off, and now I'm starting to get back into riding. But overall, it's not as fun as it used to be without Flash, because oh. he's my best friend. Yeah, so yeah, so that's heartbreaking for a mom. But at the same time, if you know, I support wherever she goes, and I still drag her along with me because I've got more horses than I can ride myself. Um, after Tevis for me, so it takes a lot out of a family to support someone going to Tevis. Um, got, yeah, I've got three other kids or four kids total, but three other kids and a husband, and they want me to be able to do some other things with them. Mm -hmm. So we've kind of backed off. And if I had my way, I'd be at every ride every month, but I have to look at the reality is my kids are all going to be gone within eight years. And that's a really short amount of time. So I've tried to put a little more focus on them and building some other horses that in my mind could go to Tevis. We've toyed with the idea of Kyla's little sister doing Tevis. No. Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Um, I, we're also very, if the stars align, in our minds, in the background, we've toyed with the idea of going to the Mongol Derby. That one actually sounds super fun. Um, and I and Kyla actually likes that idea. She would have to be 18. And I know it's a huge, yep, you have to be 18. So, so those have toyed in our mind. Um, but again, those are huge things to ask a family to support. And yeah. it's not just me. So mm -hmm. me, I would be writing every day, all day, 24-7. But... <laughs> priorities 
I see. Yeah, I mean, that's that's some cool plans you have there. Um, definitely, I'm sure something will align and I'm sure something will come along. So what about Flash now? And, and Kyla, what about you? Do you have like another equine partner or not yet the right one, perhaps, but maybe another one will come along eventually again? Um, so I did get this horse pony. <laughs> no, I'm oh, not it? prancing. Oh, a different one. Sorry. You're spoiling my okay. thunder. <laughs> and I really liked her, but she wasn't as fun as Flash. Like she just doesn't have the fire and I love the fire. So we are selling her because we have too many horses as what my mom says. <laughs> I think my dad. <laughs> So we're selling her because I don't ride her as much and don't have as much fun on her. And I just got another little black pony. And I'm super excited for him. He's wild. But I have, like, the only time I rode him was once and he was super tired. So um, we're just, like, getting him back into shape. And then and then <laughs> I'm going to ride him and see how that goes. Because from what I heard of or watched a video of, he tried to buck a kid off. So <laughs> the the fine details. She has picked up another little hackney pony. He's thirteen hands. A little taller. A little so little he taller. should and he needs to put some weight on. He's got he's probably a hundred or so pounds underweight, but he is a relative of Flash also. And almost looks identical to him, but with a little more white on his feet. So she's, I think she likes the challenge of taking something that others can't necessarily handle. Mm-hmm. and and showing it that it's love this one is in kind of rough shape and so right now she's spending the time bringing it back to life and getting it you know getting it strong and then we'll see where it takes her wow yeah that sounds like a good plan for the future i guess so <laughs> maybe maybe another um kind of maybe flash number two then would be kind of fun to have two little black ponies with both my girls on them exactly so. <laughs> well Uh, we're running out of time now. Natalie, uh, Kayla, it was amazing talking to you. Thank you so much for joining me here today and sharing your amazing story. And uh, yeah, that's just, I'm um, just very happy to talk to you. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you for having us on. And, and it's been really great, you know, just yeah. meeting and the, our, our goal has been with all of this is that we want other people that realize there's normal people out there doing really hard things. Um, we aren't any special, amazing. We're just people that love the horses and love the trails and put, set some goals and go and achieve them. So I think that through all the messages we can send out, I really want people to know that they can do anything they put their mind to. Yeah. That's so. great. Uh, and for this, for this interview. Yeah. Thanks so much. And that's it for today's episode. Heather and me want to thank you very much for tuning in to the Equestrian Adventuresses podcast, the show for women who love horses, travel, and adventure. Are you missing a topic or have an interesting story to tell? Contact us through our Facebook group or send us an email on podcast-show at equestrianadventuresses.com. For all information on this episode, check out today's show notes. You can find the link in your podcast player window or just go to the Equestrian Adventures' website under podcast. Here you can find all the information about our virtual workshop, Adventuring with Your Horse, our latest free travel guidebook, The Ultimate Equestrian Adventures' Bucket List, or our 1000 Miles Challenge. So long, everybody. Happy trails. <laughs>